When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi folks, welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're back to talk about the second half of that game against the Titans. And here to join me with me on uh, talk about the defense is James Ogden of UK Ravens. James, how you doing? I'm good, thanks, Ken. How are you? Uh, I've got no complaints. Fantastic first episode. So appreciate this. And of course, we went overboard on a fairly limited number of defensive plays in that first half. But we, we, I think we pulled together a lot of the common threads in this game. Some great edge play by Millie Harrison, some uh, fine play by Patrick Queen flying all over the field, some instincts from various players, including uh, Marcus Williams, a, a very nice play in the first half, uh, some great play by Justin Matabike, which will keep showing up. But please go download that episode. You, you really want to hear that. James has some marvelous points to make, particularly about characteristics shown in the draft originally that really came out in this game as well that's exceptional. Uh, James, if you don't know, has a, a draft guide he puts out annually uh, that's very good. I would highly recommend it and uh, uh, really appreciate you being on for this again, James. No problem, Ken. It's, uh really enjoying it. Okay. Well, we'll go, we'll go a little faster probably in this half, but I do appreciate the extra time you're spending on me. So we're going to jump right back into this play-by-play version we've been doing. And there'll be a little bit of wrap-up at the end where we tie, tie some threads together with some pass rush stuff and whatnot. But we're going to go play-by-play pretty quickly here. Uh, quarter three, 15 minutes. The Titans get the ball coming right out in the second half. Um, we got another really nice play by Matt Abike, bowling, then shedding uh, the right guard Brunskill. That's the X-49er to tackle. Ty J Spears for a two yard game. Yeah, and this uh, again, you know, we we talked about Madabike sort of ad nauseum in the in the first in the first part, and this is another great example of his sort of his superior play against against the run. Um, I'm a big sort of uh, I'm a big Ty J Spears fan. Uh, was a huge fan of his coming out uh, of Tulane this year, and and thought he's going to be special. And I'm sure we're going to talk about his uh, his play later on, but. 
uh, with the catch and run. But again, it just showed that this was... Uh, this play, I think, just more so showed that this was a bit of a mismatch um, in terms of the Titans' defensive uh, offensive line going up against Matabike. Wasn't necessarily, um, you know outstanding uh it was outstanding play from Madabike, but it was a it was a one-on-one beat uh where he gets his hands in fast inside well placed powerful um here actually he's probably he's just he's in utter control of the point of attack here he could go if spears decides to break it outside Madabike is going to take the outside lane and and he's going to have that too so it just it was a dominant sort of dominance at the line of scrimmage uh that Madabike showed throughout the game Run skill, when he was with the 49ers, a hell of an offensive line, I thought. It's kind of a sixth offensive lineman. They would bring him in. They, I think they even played him at left tackle some, but he definitely uh, uh, you know, performed well for them. Maybe you might think of him a little bit like Patrick McCarry for this team in terms of his versatility to play a lot of different positions. But you know, not a terrible offensive lineman that Matabiki is beating there is my point. No, I think you're, I think you're right, yeah. It's uh, – um... Just shows the shows the um, the level of play that Matabike has risen to over the the recent weeks of the season. Let's jump ahead. 14-18, a second and eight play. Beautiful spin move here by Van Noy to beat the left tackle Dillard inside for a pressure. Uh, still, uh, Tannehill gets the ball off to uh, Westbrook Akinney for a six yard gain. Five plus one, two circle. Two circle meets between the numbers and the left and the left hash. Uh, very nice fast downhill tackle by Roquan Smith. We're seeing. Very little yak on the balls headed his way this year. Yeah, and and you you know you're sort of going to you know in the second half when you dominate the first half as much as you have, you're going to take that kind of play all day long. Um, uh, that that quick pressure, it's not something that's going to necessarily get completed a high percentage of times. And as you say, Roquan just cleaning that up um, to make sure there's there's no uh, extra yardage there. On this uh, third and two play that came up, a 4-1 pressure in this case. So they drop one guy off. That's what that means in, in my uh, notation here. Um, and a beautiful stunt through for Van Noy through the right A-gap for the initial pressure. And then 92 had kind of a slow bowl of the left tackle, Dillard. Um, then it, it became faster and he overran him. Uh, a steamroller him is probably the correct turn here for, for a sack minus seven. Yeah, and it's funny because I, th- I think Travis Jones probably could have done a slightly better job than he did with the with the the pick. It, it sort of uh, like potentially left the center free to get Van Noy, but Van Noy was just too clever for the center and and, uh, and still got around the edge of the of the center to get the pressure. But you're right, Matabike again, like uh, just a theme, isn't it, that we're talking about is. Yeah. Like that, that explosive power, that athleticism to be able to line him up outside like that, um, and have enough potential to to threaten around the edge for him to be able to come through uh, uh, an offensive tackle like that uh, with the slow start, but then sort of building up with that power, just really impressive from him. Third, third and two play, and they're off the field just like that. They had a bunch of third and shorts in this game. It wasn't like their their one for nine was on a bunch of third and eleven, third and eighteen. They had a couple of those, but. But it was a lot of third and short as well where the Ravens denied it. All right, jump ahead. Quarter three, 11.55, they get the ball back. Uh, this is like a rare play, and there weren't too many, honestly, in this game. Robinson wasn't in for – he was in for some run plays where he held the left edge fairly well versus the tight end. Um, 96 was uh, blocked on the play, Washington, by the left guard, Skaronsky. The center and right guard blocked Michael Pierce, which is he is he's not been too blockable this year, honestly. 
Um, and then the, the, the center also comboed to, to get Roquan Smith in level two. So that's not what you want is those two linemen taking out those two Ravens defensive pieces to lead a, a what is a five yard run. And, and uh, in the, in the whole context of today, it wasn't a huge play. It just was a fairly well-blocked play, I thought, by the Titans. Yeah, I agree. And in some ways, the Ravens kind of got lucky that that Michael Pierce, he was a little bit off balance and potentially could have ended up um, in the turf, but but managed to stay on his feet and get across and make the tackle. But otherwise, I agree with you. That was a pretty well-blocked up play. And, and the the seal that they had on... Um, on uh, Roquan Smith w- would have caused some issues if Pierce hadn't got across to, to make that play. I think that would have been a, a decent sized gain from Henry, if not. Move ahead to the next play, quarter three, 11, 16, a 4 1 pass rush, one guy again dropping off the line of scrimmage. 92 with a kind of a slow bull against the right guard, Brunskill, uh, was making progress against him the whole way. It just wasn't the kind of fast progress that was going to lead to a three second pressure. Um, but he did finally get off. Flushed uh, Tannehill to the right, eventually uh, dragged him to the turf just as Tannehill was throwing the ball out of bounds. Yeah, and what's great about this in terms of Matabike is it sort of shows the the um, the development of his game as a pass rusher is that he's able to continue to fight with his hands. This was one where he has remarkable power in his hands, but they've not always been used to great effect. But mm-hmm. in this in this instance, he's able to to sort of reset his feet and use that big right paw um, and get himself uh, get himself free. I felt like this was a no. I'm certainly not. I wouldn't have called. I'm sure you didn't chat this as ample time and space, but. Yes, it was. Right. Okay. And as the day goes, this this felt like it definitely, even if it didn't, wasn't ample time and space in in the measure. It it felt like it for Tannehill as for his the way his day had gone at this point so far. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he had time and he kind of held on to the ball a little longer. Uh, I don't don't blame him. I mean, he had he had room to roll out and get rid of it. And so, you know, I never say it's the wrong thing if you can get if you end up getting rid of the ball for with uh, with an incomplete. Okay, 11.09 comes up, uh, third and five. Uh, Pierce, stunting pass, uh, Skaronsky, sorry, outside for a fast quarterback hit. Now, this is the play that just really has Ravens fans shaking their head because I thought Michael Pierce did a really good job not only flattening Tannehill with kind of a, a wonderful form tackle, but also not putting his whole body weight down on Tannehill. It certainly wasn't a late hit by any measure. It wasn't, wasn't, wasn't close to two steps, but it, it was more like, one quarter of a step, you know, after he unloaded the football. Uh, and then they, then we turned to this disagreement in the broadcast booth between Eisen and uh, Warner over over whether or not it was a roughing the passer play. And guess which side Kurt Warner was on? <laughs> yeah, it's not hard to guess. Yeah. I, this just, I mean, there's no way this, there's just no way this is a penalty. Mm-hmm. It's the most... You know, for for Ravens fans, what was great about this weekend, sort of meeting other um, UK Ravens and European Ravens uh, fans, is that many of them have been fans as long as I have, sort of twenty years um, of the Ravens, and uh, we actually had the the Super Bowl, the the, uh, the two thousand Super Bowl playing in, in one of our parties. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, and I, the the thing that strikes me about this play is that you know the the laws of the chain the game have changed so much over the years. Um, but to consider this play a kind of play that needs to be outlawed is just it's it's staggering to me like it just it's not it's a he did 
there was literally nothing else Michael Pierce could have done on this play. If this play is a penalty, there will never ever be another quarterback hit on a on a on a play uh, as long as the NFL is is uh, is in existence. It, it's extremely frustrating, and and Collinsworth, I think, has often made the point that if you see the way these games look when you have backup quarterbacks in there, you understand why they want to protect the quarterback. Well, it, it's true, but we also want to see good football. And one of the nice things to, to, to see is, is, to, is to knock the other guy's quarterback out of the game. And it shouldn't – passing should not be a zero-risk affair. You know, it, 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 there, there should be limits to offense the way there are limits to playing good defense. And, and uh, I, I, I'm very frustrated by it. And the, the relationship between um, roughing the passer calls and um, quarterback hits, which are where roughing the passer calls typically occur. They don't typically occur on a sack. It's usually on a quarterback hit. It, it's just not worked in the Ravens' favor in recent years at all. No, it, re- it really hasn't, uh, and, and this one especially. I wonder if there's something about the fact that there's – not trying not get, try not to give them an excuse or anything here, the referees, but whether there's a, a thing about a, a big nose tackle sort of careering into a quarterback and – and this is a guy who's going to land on him, whether he likes, whether he tries to or not. And it's sort of a, but it just, you, you can't, you can't justify it anyway. Really. I mean, I thought goal. if anything, he made an effort not to do that. Anyway, the point I'm, I'm, I'll make is no way in hell is Michael Pierce going to get fined for this. If he, if he gets even a small fine from the league for this penalty, it would be thoroughly unjustified. And in fact, I think they ought to really send a message to the officials in this case, not fine him. Then talk to them and, and, you know, probably issue a downgrade on that. There is a whole system of downgrades, by the way, that's working behind the scenes where these officials are getting scored. And if they if they have enough downgrades, they'll ultimately not be retained. OK, now we've seen some guys in the league for a long time. And you figure out how are these guys not, you know, were they hired under Project Bootstrap such that they can't possibly be fired. But, um, but yes, there, there is uh, uh, they can eventually be fired for bad officiating. Anyway, let's move ahead. Uh, all it takes, of course, is one bad roughing the passer penalty in the very next play can put you in a deep hole. 11.04, that happened. Uh, Henry took a direct snap, faked a reverse to Ty J. Spears. By the way, great play design and the pony use of the pony backfield there. Um, uh, they got good blocks from their tight ends, two of them, to take care of Harrison. Um, we had Brunskill and uh, Hubbard took care of Washington on the play. We had Skaronsky slowing down Pierce, and uh, that was created all the space that Henry needed to go RR63 on this play, 63-yard run uh, up the right sideline, really between a lot of defensive backs and linebackers who it wasn't that they weren't interested. It was that they were not fast enough, really, to get to the play. Uh, Some of them had probably been manipulated a little bit by the uh, initial reverse to Spears. Yeah, it's it's funny that you know uh, if you listen to the first part of the of the podcast, uh, we both sort of wax lyrical about Patrick Queen and Justin Matabike, both of whom were fooled really hook, line, and sinker by this play. Both of them completely taken out of the play, um, worrying about Tajay Spears, which is fair enough, and and they were sort of prescient given what what Spears did later on in the game. But uh, yeah, they were both 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 of the Ravens sort of key run stuffers through this game were taken out of this play by the play design. Uh, and it created that avenue for, for Derek Henry to, to kind of waltz through. Um, and obviously waltz is a bit, 
uh, unfair on Henry. He's got a lot of speed, um, uh, and that you know that was a that was a tough guy to stop. And obviously, Marcus Williams was sort of sidled up to him, and in the end, so, <laughs> almost sacrificed himself to uh, to to um, prevent the touchdown there because I, I'm pretty sure that was that was what sort of ended his day uh, was was having to make that tackle, even though I think he stayed in for a little bit longer. Yeah, he played yeah. on. And he actually was on Stone's interception. He was knocked out of the game, but uh, but yeah, it, 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 he he certainly exposed the world that he was playing with one arm on that play, uh, and that, that was what it was. So anyway, they, they, that gave the uh, Titans a first and nine opportunity with ten seventeen to go. Uh, now, just to get back on something we mentioned on the first show, the, the Titans had made twenty three of their previous twenty four goal to go opportunities into touchdowns, and Eisen actually mentioned partway through this series that this had been the longest streak of this century. And I think that may be in games because the last time they missed was in week 11 or something of last year against green Bay. Um, and it's a, might be a dozen games or so that they'd, they'd been without missing one. Uh, but they would end up missing it. It started with a nice uh, bull then shed of, by um, uh, Travis Jones of Skaronsky to tackle Ty J Spears for a, for no gain on the first play. Yeah, this was um, really nice from Travis Jones. Uh, we sort of talked in the first half about the fact that him and Tavius Robinson are sort of on the early stages of their developmental curve as defensive linemen. Uh, Travis Jones specifically has shown flashes specifically in the preseasons, but has also shown a few flashes during the regular season. This was a really nice example of, of what you could potentially get from Travis Jones as he continues to develop, which is, Really good hand placement, per- perfect hand placement on this on this uh, on this play, uh, and immediately sort of jacks up that that offensive lineman. Uh, he's he's first on with his hands. The burst upfield is very good, uh, and it's really him. You know, it's, it's the the play is over before anyone else. You, you can see at the end of the play, Smith and Queen and others desperate to get involved, but Travis Jones has already solved the problem, taking care of business. Move ahead to nine thirty six, second and nine, a four one pass rush on this play. Uh, Matabike bowled the left guard Skaronsky again for a pressure and Tannehill overthrew Hopkins in the end zone uh, 15 yards on the left sideline with, with Darby this time in tight coverage. So uh, we, we did not hear Darby's name called a lot. I think that's a good thing, basically. If if you've got, uh, particularly if you're in a single high, Darby is kind of exposed and could be one of the guys who would be who would give you trouble. But in this case, uh, he was right there. Yeah, the Ravens don't trail very much. So um, Mar- Marlon Humphrey did n- was not on DeAndre Hopkins the entirety of this game. They will not trail receivers. Chase, Chase, Chase sorry, Chase receivers. Um, so Marlon Humphrey wasn't on Hopkins for the entirety of this game, and still is on a is on a snap count. Um, so Darby definitely had to have his fair share of coverage on on DeAndre Hopkins, um, and so that was that was uh, that was a nice play from him. You know, completely in phase. There was no chance of that ball getting completed. There was nowhere Tannehill could put that in the end zone for it to be completed. Um, and combined with the Matabi kick pressure is what sort of killed that killed that play. Got a, almost a similar look on the next play, third and nine, a six-zero pass rush, by the way, first of all, and the ball's out quickly. So once again, they tried numbers, didn't really work because Tannehill got the ball out quickly. We mentioned a 7-0 pass rush in the first half uh, that went for about an 11-yard gain over the middle. Um, in this case, uh, Tannehill overthrew the ball uh, well out of the end zone on the left side of the end zone for Hopkins. And, of course, the... I guess it was the back judge through the flag there. It might have been the side judge. Um, and and uh, uh, picked it up eventually. The officials talked about it, 
picked it up as being too far out of bounds, and that was certainly the right call. It was that ball was what landed ten yards out of bounds. Yeah, hundred percent the right call. What was strange was that it came after the play where so it was as you said it was a very similar look and it was sort of it was slightly different trajectory of ball but it was sort of in the same vicinity right and uh i had a weird thing where i was kind of like that didn't look like it was that far out of bounds and i think i was remembering the play previously rather than this play uh when it came up on the replay screens it was quite obvious that was definitely uncatchable interestingly though was one of the one of the sort of few instances where i think if it hadn't been uncatchable that that would have been a uh, a kind of fair enough flag to have thrown on that play yeah i i agree on that so that that anyway forced the field goal and and ended the titan streak of success uh in, in golden goose situations they get the ball back 837 left in the third um uh they got first and 15 after a false start now they get the ball back on the interception where Beatman's effort is called into question. So we'll talk about that on the offensive shows, particularly particularly, but frustrating, obviously play sets them up inside the red zone right away. Uh, so they, they, uh, they got a full start of the first play. The very first play um, was thrown into the end zone. Sorry. I'm sorry. Down about the five yard line and, Convergence of players here, obviously a big hit um, uh, from Stevens to try and dislodge the ball and then an even bigger hit and a very unfortunate helmet to helmet shot from uh, from uh, uh, Hamilton that uh, resulted eventually in the disqualification. Yeah, and it's hard to get into this too much, I suppose, isn't it? But uh, because I'm not I'm not a rules expert, um, but it it doesn't. the tough one with this one is uh, it felt for me like it was a flag like by the, the by the uh, the rule book, but for me it just doesn't feel. There are so few ejections in the NFL. Uh, this one did not feel like it was egregious enough to be an ejection. It, I don't. For me, I don't think you can really. I'm not sure there was malicious intent there. I think there was too much ambiguity because of the fact that the football was in the area. Um, and I suspect that is what Cal Hamilton was going for. There's probably a coaching point there for him in the future. But for me, I just don't, I don't agree that this was an ejection. And I know, I know we have purple tinted specs on and, and maybe that's, that's what the case is, but it just doesn't feel right to me. This the ejection. Well, you know, here, I think there's actually a good thing going on. The ejection was called from New York. Now, in theory, that should create a consistency to these calls. And that's what I want. I I don't want crews individually making the choices on ejection. I I basically want 100% of ejection decisions made from New York. Okay. And and no matter what you say, they're going to take longer. They're going to look at that for longer. They're going to make a decision and they're going to... Communicate with the with the officials and and call it there. If they need to collect some information from the officials, they can do it. One of the things that was pointed out by somebody who was at the game, and I didn't notice this, was that Hamilton kicked the flag. Now, I'm not sure if that happened after or before the disqualification, but if it's before, did that potentially have anything to do with it? That possibly, maybe that did have something to do with it. I, I did not notice that. Um, uh, frustrating still if it did, I suppose, um, you know, because, I, I yeah, it, it just, it's funny when you watch the um, All-22 of it, the, the, the end zone angle, 
is is far less egregious. Like it looks like a guy sort of coming across to try and make a play, and, and obviously that's not going to show you the the helmet the helmet contact, but. Uh, it just it it didn't it just did not feel like a play that should rise to the level of an ejection. But I'm with you in the sense that I would like consistency in in those and, and not have crews calling on the on the on the field. But I, I, it just doesn't chime well with you know, as someone who watches college regularly as well. You know, you see so many ejections in college; it's just not the same in the NFL. It seems like the standard feels a lot higher. Um, uh, for that for that to happen, and it just it just didn't feel like one for me. Well, the good news is uh, Tom Pelissero is reporting that that, that uh, Hamilton is not going to be suspended for this, so that at least is something. Um, and uh, he'll be back next week, and the Ravens will certainly need him playing the Lions and, and as short at safety as they uh, seem to be right now. Very next play, and it was after a penalty the last time, after a personal foul. Henry again, uh, RM15 for the touchdown. Uh, missed tackle by by Williams at about eight yards. He just kind of slaps at Henry as he's moving by. It's really nothing he, he could do. I mean, he's in position to make the tackle. He just, he doesn't do it. And uh, uh, unfortunate, but obviously Williams should not be on the field at this point if, if he really can't tackle at all. I just, I can't believe that there's enough that he can do for the Ravens on the back end as great as he is as a ball hawk that would justify him being back there without the use of his uh, use of one arm. No, and I like the 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 interesting thing about it. I'm so 100 would agree with you. Like, the, the, yeah, I'm not sure there's there's a whole lot of use for him uh, in this sense. That, you know, this is missing the tackle. The thing I would say, the other thing I would say about this play is it's an immediate. It immediately shows um, what happens with the absence of Cal Hamilton on 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 that defense. Um, who we don't know where he would have lined up on that play, but there's a chance that that would have been. Um, him over that side of the formation. Um, the other thing to mention on this play, I think, was at the line of scrimmage at the point of attack where Travis Jones falls down um, and Tavius Robinson's edge set is, is not particularly effective. And so there is a gaping hole at the line of scrimmage for, for Derek Henry to run through. And if you're going to give him that kind of ramp up at the line of scrimmage where he's able to to get up to speed so quickly um, without it, without so much as, as traffic to kind of slow him down and um, you, you're asking for trouble. And that, and there was a couple of instances, as I mentioned in the first part where the Titans had some success running at Tavius Robinson, uh, Travis Jones combination on, on one side of the line and, and the Ravens had, had sort of, you know, it sort of did expose a little bit the, the lack of defensive line depth for the Ravens, um, of competent defensive line depth for the Ravens if they if they do run into some injuries on that line as they did in this game with, with right. Brent Urban. So this is, this is a combination of an interior guy and an edge guy too, an edge setter. You, yeah. you know, they've relied on a little bit this year. The, the other guy who made a really nice play on this, and you got to give it to give credit to the to the Titans where credit is due is – uh, the, the center, uh, 55, made a very nice combination block on Pierce, and that helped him get him off his pins, um, and then on Queen in level two. Yeah, Brewer has been like one of their better offensive linemen through the through the season so far, um, and yeah, he had, a, he had a nice play here. I agree with you. Okay. All right, that's the first rushing touchdown the Ravens had allowed all year. It makes it a football game, unfortunately, again, and uh, we weren't particularly happy about that at that point. Uh, they get the ball back again with 6.49 left in the third. Um, we notice that Tannehill is back on the field with his foot taped at this point. So we think I think he was injured on the Michael Pierce play because he seemed to be hobbling off after that. 
uh, stayed in without tape. And then this, this time around now, he's got the tape job on. Um, but we have a Ty J Spears 12-yard run left. Some nice blocks set it up, including Skaronsky pancaking Michael Pierce. Uh, this is bad. This is a, a bunch of bad stuff. Petit Frere, who's in now, replacing Dillard at left tackle, pancaked uh, Van Noy. And uh, Brewer blocked uh, Roquan Smith in level two to lead that uh, 12-yard run. Yeah, and, and uh, in Tiger Spears, I, I mentioned in part one, I'm a huge, uh, I was a huge fan of him coming out of Tulane. Um, and this was an interesting run because uh, you do not need to give Ty J Spears very much on the edge for him to turn it into a big game. Like the the lateral cut ability that he has, he he will transform a um, a run perpendicular to the line of scrimmage into a, into a ver- getting vertical in just the least amount of time and space I've seen from a, from prospect coming out of college in a long, long time. Like it's, it's scary how quickly he is able to, to turn upfield and the Ravens in this instance gave him a huge corridor to turn upfield that he didn't have to remotely use any of the weapons that he used on the, on the run, on the catch and run later on. Um, so uh, you just can't give that kind of space to a to a back like Spears um, out on the edge, and and in some ways the the Ravens uh, it, it was uh, a nice play from um, Roquan Smith coming in from behind to to finish that play off. Otherwise, there there could have been a lot more yardage there for Spears. Okay, we got the the next play. We have a another first and ten, obviously another one of these shovel passes that's forward. So it actually went down on a pass play for Tannehill's. Um, efforts and a, a, a pass left for nine. That's minus four plus 13 on that left side. One of the few times where a tight end actually blocked Harrison well in the game. This was 88. That's Wesco, right? I think so. Uh, blocked him. And then um, uh, Petit Frere made a, made a nice combination block on Washington and then on Roquan Smith to help lead that play for nine yards. Yeah. And this was a, um, yeah, again, a, a um, as you mentioned, one of those plays that sort of, I know this was technically a pass, but with the, with the toss, another one where the, the, um, the Titans were able to sort of get a run blocked up and you sort of started to, to wonder whether the tide was turning a little bit uh, at this point and, and started to get a little bit nervous turning in our seats a bit. Very, very concerned about it. That brought up second and one uh, really nice play from Roquan Smith uh, rushing through a gap vacated by Skaronsky to move to level two. This is one of these plays. There's a guard bubble on that side. He has to kind of make a decision as where am I going to set to make my most effective block? And oftentimes guards get excited. They move into level two quickly. A linebacker then is is reacting and, and moving to that gap at the same time. And in this case, uh, it was uh, Smith taking down. Uh, Henry again now for for a no gain at the line of scrimmage and bringing up third and one. Yeah, and again, uh, something that you mentioned in part one was the kind of the improvement in the tackling by Patrick Queen. I think that was on show here where sort of the 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 attempt to make a form tackle was really crucial at this point because you know you if you'd have gone in, he, he sort of had to slide down slightly and tackle Henry around the calves, um, which can be a very difficult thing to do if you're not coming in with a with originally with a kind of form tackle attempt. Um, so kind of liked the 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 way he went about his his business there with this one. All right, brings up third and one, a four zero pass rush. They're still sticking with regulation pressures here. There's no there's no blitz coming from level two, um, but we had uh, Michael Pierce bowled the left guard Skaronsky for the pressure. And uh, Tannehill threw, uh, put it up for uh, uh, for Oconquo, 
uh, about 28 yards down the right sideline, undercut by Geno Stone. And, and this is a great thing about Geno. He's been great at undercuts. Look at the Cincinnati game. Look at this game. He's been great playing for the overthrow. That was his third interception. Um, he's been a great loose bracket player generally in that he doesn't feel like he ever has to go for the midsection of the receiver when he's on the back end. Uh, you look at some past Raven safeties, they haven't been able to get away from that always, all the time. But he's a, he's a great loose bracket safety, really does it well. Anyway, this happened to be an undercut. Another fine interception by him. One of the really big plays of the game uh, turns it around with a 24-yard return. And unfortunately, this is the play where Marcus Williams is on the turf at the end. And I didn't know what was wrong, but I would have assumed it was something with his arms. Yeah, it, it, this, it was a shame, wasn't it? This was the, the one where Marcus Williams went out. I think the um, I would agree with you on, on Gino. I, sorry, I, I also spoke, misspoke on the last play because I remembered the play wrong. It was Roquan Smith who was making the tackle, wasn't it? Not Patrick Queen. Um, it was another play where Queen made that form tackle. Um, the But on this one specifically, uh, Gino, Gino Stone was just I, – I love the play in this because basically the, a, a conquo is is – is streaking down the seam. He is away from Marlon Humphrey. Um, and so Gino Stone does his job and comes across a, a, and, and covers that. And uh, to sort of anticipate in the way he did and step across an undercut was, was, was a, was a phenomenal play from him. And uh, as I've mentioned before, his trigger, his sort of his, his intelligence, um, his football intelligence, the way he reads the game is, is really impressive. Uh, and it and allows him to make plays like that. Oh, Ken, you're on mute. Thank you. Happens at least once an episode. Quarter four, 1249. Uh, they get the ball back. But now Malik Willis at quarterback. And it is a different football game at this point, folks. So uh, shockingly, um, they try a play action play. But Malik Willis, because he's a very mobile quarterback, uh, we have uh, Robinson. Davis Robinson is not really fooled on the play. And uh, it doesn't get a pressure off, but the play has to be out quickly. And uh, throw goes to uh, number 15. So that's Westbrook Aquina for nine yards. Nice quick tackle from uh, Yasin at this point. Yasin played most of the fourth quarter of this game, by the way, when the Ravens were in nickel a lot. Darby played his time mostly at the end of the first half. Yeah, it was interesting. the The usage of Yasin has been has been interesting. I haven't watched enough of Yasin to sort of understand. Uh, why that's the case, but yeah, as you mentioned, sort of in a lot in the fourth quarter, uh, it was a strange one when Willis trotted out. I, I, well, I didn't actually even see him trot out. I just saw him suddenly playing playing the position and wondered what what on earth had happened there. Uh, it did. It just, yeah, this was a real turning point in the game. Um, you felt like there was a chance with the way that the Titans had started to run the football um, that with Tannehill in there doing just enough, they they may have hauled themselves back into this game. But this Ravens defense going up against a Malik Willis, who um, just I, I, it's funny, he's kind of won the job back as the as the backup um, there in Tennessee. And I'd be surprised if he gets to enter into the game again after this performance. I think they'll probably want to see what they have from Will Levis um, now. So um, interesting sort of, uh, yeah, from the Titans. Uh, and I suppose I, th- I think that this was a, a a nice little drive starter for him, um, but was sort of one of the, the few remaining positive plays that the, that the, uh, that the Titans had in the game. 
Yeah, and then what they what they had the remainder that was positive. It really wasn't Malik Willis. It was Tajay Spears making a making a big play. But uh, but I would agree with you. I think it, it would make all kinds of sense for them to move forward. They obviously do not have tremendous confidence in Willis to even go after Levis. Yeah, hundred percent. They I, and I'm not surprised about that. I think both of the picks were in the draft were a little perplexing, and and I think they will probably look back on some of those. Willis probably less egregious than the than the Levis pick actually and they may look back on those picks uh in the future and, and sort of regret regret sort of taking a, a second well I, I thought Levis was was a lot further down than a second tier of quarterback in this last draft but uh it, it's a, it'll, it'll well end up being a very interesting decision I think when you look at potentially some of the talent that will have ended up gone, going after him to have to have double dipped on a on a quarterback that uh, I felt was very flawed coming in. Right. Very, very flawed, very ce- uh, high, meaning a low ceiling, right? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Okay. So uh, second and one, uh, they ran a, a stretch left uh, that uh, uh, Henry was able to get outside of Robinson on this play, did not really hold that that uh, left edge. Uh, missed tackle by Milet, which we did have a chance to get him in the backfield um, at, at minus one. But they was tackled by Humphrey for for a two yard gain. Honestly, pretty good damage control considering a second and one play. Yeah, and uh, nice to see uh, Marlon coming up, and, and we saw a few times in this game making making some making some hits, and proving that he's he's going to continue to be the physical corner he is despite the the, the early season injury. Uh, very next play, uh, we have Willis in the first and ten, scrambled left from from ample time and space. He had a clean pocket, uh, ran left for three, slid down in front of Patrick Queen. Good restraint by Queen not to hit him there, uh, and, uh, and and nice that that his presence uh, made Willis want to slide, which was good as well. Yeah, and I, I I would I would agree with you there. It sort of it was nice the sort of way they the Titans tried to get uh, Willis moving in this game in terms of the the play action on the on the first play with the nice drive starter and then sort of sort of shifting the pocket slightly on this on this play, um, but just. <laughs> Yeah, I suppose I, I, maybe I'll try and revise my previous statement and, and not be as harsh on the quarterbacks. There, there is a challenge with this Tennessee offense that the lack of weapons is is sort of crippling um, to them and and to a, to a quarterback on, in this in this offense. So, you know, maybe that maybe I'm a little bit being a little bit unfair on on them there. Uh, and you know, it's it's tough. You know, Tannehill found it tough sledding against this Ravens defense as well. So. All right, second and seven. A really good play on the interior line here for both Washington and. Uh, Travis Jones, but uh, Washington slipped the block of the left tackle Petit Frere and the tight end as well, Wesco, uh, to tackle Henry for a loss of one. We also had really good penetration from Travis Jones uh, off an initial double team from, let's see, that was Skaronsky and the center Brewer. Yeah, and, and a nice example of the sort of thing I was talking about earlier with Broderick Washington, where he's able to, uh, you know, be just a, a really you know, a competent, a really competent run defender and exactly what the Ravens need from him. Uh, and again, a little more of a flash from Travis Jones, which I was also talking about earlier too. Uh, 9.57 remaining, a, a third and eight. Uh, Matabike Bulls then sheds the left guard Skaronsky outside for a flush. Uh, doesn't turn up as a pressure on my sheet, probably would on PFFs. So I think that's the way they score them when they end up being run plays. But uh, first of all, you want to get a flush left if you have your choice between a flush right and a flush left of a right-handed quarterback. So Willish is, is, is flush to the left. 
he runs out there, is cleaned up by Smith and Queen to force a punt. Really nice plays, and and uh, Queen had three of these drive-ending plays uh, where he um, he closed out a drive. Yeah, and, and his initial instinct here was was to flush right, uh, but the, there was a, yet another nice pick play by Van Noy that freed up Michael Pierce uh, around the edge, and obviously Malik Bliss did not fancy uh, running headlong <laughs> into Michael Pierce and so had to flush uh, flush left. So he was sort of forced initially off his spot by by, by that great rush from Matabike, which, uh, yeah, just uh, when you look at... Um, when you look at the position he puts Skaronski in, it's like the it's the thing that offensive linemen's nightmares are made of, uh, where he's sort of stood bolt upright with his with his knees bent ever so slightly backwards, um, and his arm uh, cocked and bent around Madabike, uh, with just no chance of any recovery uh, from that situation. So, uh, yeah, another really nice play from Madabike. So after after this, the Titans punt, the Ravens kick a field goal to finally go up by 11 again, and you feel a little bit more secure about things. The Titans get a chance to run out the clock on themselves. They pretty much do it. Uh, they get the ball back with 4.16 left, and the Ravens are like a cat toying with a mouse at this point. Their own worst enemy in some ways. They let them continue to survive with a number of penalties. We'll go through this drive fairly quickly because I know you're on a little bit of a time budget here, but we'll, we'll go a little bit faster than we have been so far. First play, a 4-0 pass rush, uh, a nice stunt from Clowney, uh, who is held up. In- when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Initially by the right guard, Brunskill, but when Van Noy beat the left tackle, Pete Freer inside for a fast pressure, uh, he missed the sack at minus seven. Clowney cleans him up, right, runs him down for a sack minus nine. Nice to see Clowney get the cleanup, and uh, and he hasn't always been getting the cleanups. He's been missing some with some initial chances or getting the initial pressure so someone else can clean up, but this is a case where uh, he's actually the finisher of this one. Yeah, and as we mentioned earlier, this was a nice game for Clowney too um, in terms of his play in general, in terms of uh, getting pressure uh, and looking at the way he's sort of winning. So, yeah, I agree. Nice for him to to sort of get the cleanup here. And, and yet again, another example of how uh, the rush plan from the Ravens in this game was uh, really, really working and, and was, a, yeah, it was really effective. Terrific stuff. Second and 19, uh, Humphrey called for an illegal contact on Westbrook Akina. Uh, a very much a gift first down there. Um, and I, I've had this situation occur in Ravens games before where you just know they're going to pile up a great sack total. It's just a matter of letting the other team get it up first downs. Ancillary to the sacks that are occurring. And they end up sacking the quarterback four times on this one drive, which that's very hard to do. 
It's just extremely hard to put that together. And they did it, I believe they did it on four separate series within the drive. So they meaning four separate sets of downs within the drives, which is even that much harder. But gave them a first down here on the on the Humphrey penalty. Yeah, really frustrating at this point, wasn't it? That that uh, you know, it just did not look like there was much in this Titans offense. Um and, and yeah, to give them a, a first down in this in these in this instance was uh, was frustrating. All right, next play, uh, we have Clowney uh, stunting, then shedding uh, the right guard, Brunskill, for a pressure. Well, he actually, he flushes uh, seven from the pocket for a, for a run left for 11. This is one of Willis's first few only good plays himself of the day, but running for 11 here, a little bit of a breakdown there. Uh, Clowney did his job to get the pressure, but uh, but obviously other players were were not prepared to contain Willis. Yeah, and this was the 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 one of the instances where the 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 stunts really hurt them, um, and obviously that's because of of Willis's um, Willis's uh, you know ability to to create out of nothing and to run from the pocket. But Van Noy really just vacated his lane um, entirely, and uh, yeah, the stunt just didn't work in this instance because of because of uh, Willis's mobility. You live by the stunt, you die by the stunt. The stunt created the pressure, too. So, you know, it's only fair. Yeah. Uh, Willis, just such a trouble with any sort of seeing color in this game that that, uh, that he – I think you're better off taking your chances. And obviously, at this point in the game, when you got a when you got an 11-point lead, every run play that the opponent, you know, runs, you're, you're thrilled with because it, it, it it's not a pass play that's going to hurt you as much. And, you know, even an 11-yard run from Willis, they can't be that upset about. Uh, 321, you got a 4-0 ATS opportunity. One of the few he got, uh, he used it oh so well to throw a six-yard pass to, uh, let's see, Phillips, five plus one. A little rub play. Um, Mollette probably got rubbed more than he needed to on the play, but he was obviously trying to avoid contact with with crossing receivers there and and give up this little, little play that was honestly not very much. Yeah, Willis was really twitchy on this play, given that, you know, he did have that ample time and space. It was almost like Matabike got two steps, like two steps beyond uh, the, the line of scrimmage. And uh, Willis was just caught the ball out of there fast. Uh, so uh, it, it was, uh, yeah, as you mentioned before, sort of a lot of struggle with any kind of color in his face. And, and this wasn't even really in his face. And he got it out there quickly. Second and four play comes up. Neutral zone infraction. Uh, I think Petit Frere picked it up uh, on 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 Clowney. He, he he's the one who moved and moved and pointed, and uh, Clowney gets another opportunity for another sack. Obviously, coming up out of that because that creates another first and ten. Uh, just move forward two fifty one. Um, Clowney uh, bulls Petit Frere for a fast pressure, flush seven left, and uh, Willis then got cleaned up by Matabike for an S minus eight. Yeah, it was nice to see Manabike get the um, the cleanup here as well, actually, because he'd sort of done so much work to get to this point in the in the in the game, and uh, yeah, to uh, to get him uh, a nice easy sack there. I'm sure Clowney uh, enjoyed giving him that. I'm, I'm sure Clowney enjoys giving away all these sacks. Yeah, <laughs> 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 good job certainly by everyone. Two nineteen left in the game. This is one of the really cool plays in the game. Second and eighteen. 4-0, ample time and space. Um, Willis threw to Okonkwo for an 11-yard gain. Now, eight yards, and Okonkwo is on the ground because he had to come back for the football, not really dive for it, but go down for it. And then he's on the ground, and he's kind of waits for a second to get touched down by Roquan, who won't do it. 
and just stands up around him. One of the heaviest plays you'll ever see. Allows him to get up, takes three extra yards. Roquan takes him down again, uh, and the clock runs down to the two-minute warning. Warner says, I don't know what he's trying to do there. Eisen says, I see what he's trying to do. Not, not in these same words. He's trying to get it to the two-minute warning. One of the greatest demonstrations of on-field awareness you'll ever see. And here's – I, I, I want to just get your opinion on this. If Roquan Smith can do that, and I think you can expect Roquan Smith to be smart enough to do that, how can we ever accept the fact that any player fails to take a knee – in a situation that demands it, meaning, you know, wants yeah. to score a touchdown instead of taking a knee is, is the most common one. We've had twice in the last three years, the Ravens have been impacted by opposing receivers going in the end zone when a kneel would have won the game. Twice. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's the thing, isn't it? Like the, the level of this, of the, the level of like you often, um, when you're evaluating players, you're looking at processing mainly in terms of the, of the, the like mental side of the game and how quickly they're able to to understand stuff. This isn't processing. This is just flat out football intelligence. Yeah. Just oh, yeah. like knowing the situation uh, and the 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 level is such that I would agree with you. <laughs> you, you know, you it's it's very hard to to watch this play and accept the kind of because the the level of football intelligence required uh, for, the, for what you've mentioned uh, is is much lower than the, the level that that Roquan has has as demonstrated here. Um, That's so exactly. This is like a level yeah. three play. Yeah. The other things when you're supposed to take the kneel as a wide receiver, it's a level one play. They still never do it. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's they they the information is either not on the field, which is probably their claim, or honestly, there's probably some selfishness involved that receivers yeah. want to score. And, and you know, last thing they want to think about is uh, take a knee. Why should I have to do that? Let's let the defense get out there. Yeah, and also the the element of like they're in control because they have the ball. Like there's a more of a control. I, I feel as an offensive player there because you you have the ball. You're the one who's who's dictating the play here. Roquan Smith here has to in some instances take a it's only a very tiny gamble but a gamble he isn't like he, he's not in control of this play although he is entirely um so it's it's a it's a it's a yeah it's a real high level it is a really high level scale i was so impressed with it when i saw it live the, the other reason why it's not just level two it's, and it moves it to level three is that it doesn't take the clock all the way to the two minute warning with what he did he took like three or four seconds additional off the clock such that they could not set up at the line of scrimmage in time to get a playoff i mean it's just it's, it's remarkably intelligent football i just it really is one of the greatest all right, two minutes left of the game, uh, a 4-1 ball out quick. Willis to Ty J. Spears, one of the really bad breakdowns for the Ravens because they had several missed tackles on this play. Pass left for 48. It was minus three plus 51. Uh, hmm, I have four circle. I think that's really a two circle. So it's between the numbers and the left hash, as I recall this play. Um, had some good blocks on the play. Got the got Petit Freire initially getting a block on Roquan Smith. Conquo blocked Mollette. Um, I'll tell you one thing I thought I saw on the play was that Skaronsky appeared to be illegally downfield when the pass was thrown. Yeah, and that, that I also noticed that potentially. Um I would have I would have been disappointed, I think, actually, if it had been called back, even as a Ravens fan, because I love football uh, and I love Tajay Spears, as I've mentioned several times on this podcast. Um this is a 
beautiful example of of the level of play that he is going to ra- raise to eventually. The the Titans are going to seamlessly replace Derrick Henry here with a very different type of running back, but um, uh, just as an efficient, uh, just as an effective type of uh, effective running back. The the Ravens, there were definitely breakdowns on this play from a Ravens perspective, um, but I would not be surprised if into the future, when Tajay Spears is uh, the feature back in this offense, that he will be leading the league in terms of forced missed tackles um, because of the way in which he moves. Yeah. The, the, the other thing on this play that is uh, is just outstanding from Spears is you can freeze frame it at one point when he has a convoy downfield and you can look at his convoy and they are mostly towards the left of the field. There's three offensive linemen that are um, downfield and and ready to block for him. But if you look to the right, there is gaping open space for him to run into. But Spears makes the instantaneous sort of assessment that the gaping space, and this is the thing that I think – Backs like him, when they come out, don't don't get in terms of once they get into the open field, which is that you can still make decisions based. You can still almost read your keys. You can still make decisions based on the on the blocks downfield about maximizing the gain you're going to get. And instead of chasing out into the open field, where actually the Ravens probably would have had more of a uh, uh, a chance at making one of those tackles. He stays with the three offensive linemen down the left-hand side, which slows him down slightly, but allows him to get into a situation where the Ravens are entirely compromised, flowing across to the to that sideline of the field to make the play. And he's then able to cut back later on. And he's made that assessment um, because I saw him make that assessment at Tulane, obviously against lesser competition, but you could see it was going to translate into the into the pros. And this was a, a really great play to show the real potential of Spears. And uh, and like I said, I think the Titans have a really good one there. Uh, Stone a missed tackle at twenty eight yards. Uh, Queen a missed tackle at thirty three yards. Van Noy a missed tackle at thirty five yards. All of those plays were of the type where the player kind of ran themselves out of position versus Spears. So a lot of that is Spears reading opponent leverage or just being too sudden an athlete, possibly in some of these cases, uh, to to force the missed tackle. So uh, uh, I would agree with you. He's going to be a good one. Uh, Anyway, Roquan and and Humphrey come back to make the tackle. It's always worth making a tackle, even down inside the red zone. Um, And this was a first and goal from the seven. uh, yes, worth, sorry, Ken. Just worth mentioning the play by Roquan, which was, which was, which was. You know, you, you often see Roquan make those big football intelligence plays, the the plays at the line of scrimmage. Says that this was pure hustle. Like he got knocked down early in this play yep. and gets back up and chases it down. And and you've got to you've got to respect that. I think the other thing, just quickly to say on Spears is. Uh, I should have caveated. Obviously, the kid has no ACLs, so there is a chance at some point that that's going to come back and hurt him. But there have been players who have throughout history in the NFL that have had no ACLs and and had long and and illustrious careers. Uh, one who blighted the Ravens for a long time in uh, in Heinz Ward, so uh, he's still got a chance even with that with that ailment. All right, very good. One forty six to play, first and goal. Uh, this is a case where Willis left a clean pocket, left an ATS situation, um, uh, rolled out and was sacked by uh, Van Noy for a three-yard loss. Uh, unfortunately, it was negated by defensive holding by Mollette away from the ball on Phillips. Uh, but still, a, a good play by Van Noy, a really bad play to leave the pocket by Willis, and he got kind of bailed out by that penalty. 
Yeah, he really did. It was a bit of a gift for Van Noy this, although I, I liked the, the the sort of awareness to come back um, when he sort of rushed a bit of a bit away from the play. But yeah, a, a strange, strange decision by Malik Willis here, who, as you mentioned before, had a lot of trouble with colour and there wasn't even any colour really in this pocket. He just, just made a very odd decision. So that, that first and six became a first and three after the penalty. Uh, we had a really good bull from Washington on the left guard Skaronsky for a pressure. Clowney beat Petit Frere inside for sack minus four to follow it up. Uh, we also had uh, Van Noy bullying the right tackle Hubbard to help phone booth the pocket. So nice combination pressure leading to a sack for the Ravens and uh, a good job by all involved, even though uh, it shows up in the best column for Clowney. Yeah. And again, as I mentioned earlier, you know, Clowney showing the, the, um, the way he's able to not just win with his fastball, he's able to win with um, with some of his, uh, his his other pitches uh, as a pass rusher, and that and that's really bodes well, I think, for the the rest of the season. Yeah, really nice to see Clowney. You know, I like to see him get a bull rush. I like to see him get an outside move. But anytime a, a, an edge player makes a good inside move, spin move, hands chop, whatever it might be, uh, that's just that is just that's an A move. You really want to see those inside moves. All right, well, let's move ahead. Second and seven after the sack um, with a clean pocket. Um, uh, Willis threw for Phillips in the end zone. Uh, DPI on Mollette this time gave him a first down. I don't think there was a lot of question about this DPI call. Do you feel it was ticky tack at all? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think this probably was. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I wasn't too offended by this one. This one is, was in the left side by the pylon. Uh, and, and it looked pretty bad to me, though Mollette obviously was upset by the call. Uh, that, that brought up first and one since it was in the end zone. And you think, well, they'll certainly score here. They run this option left, and it was a very well-disguised play initially. Uh, but Queen diagnosed it. Uh, he, he got back and set up a birdcage for, for uh, uh, Willis on that left side. Uh, he actually missed the tackle at, at minus four. Willis slipped him. Uh, but then we had a, a block in the back from um, Tyje Spears on Yassin to uh, create the penalty. And Queen, anyway, got up and made the tackle for a loss of one, even though he missed it at minus four. Love to see that kind of hustle. Yeah, I mean, like you say, Willis, you know, obviously the block in the back would have negated it, but Willis nearly got out of that, that yeah. uh, compromising situation and nearly got in the end zone. Uh, so, yeah, a, a nice play, play, play by Queen. Yeah, good, good general good pursuit by the by the Ravens to keep that play um, uh, and kick us and trap there and keep having him to force to, to juke and eventually be recaptured by Queen. Uh, 107 to go, first and 11. Uh, we have Clowney bullying the, the right tackle Hubbard again for pressure. That phone booth, the pocket. You see another beautiful spin move from Van Noy. Now, Van Noy's only been here a couple of weeks, but his spin move, has been really a revelation for this team. He's got to teach that to Owe. I mean, if if he can if he can get that over to Owe or or leave it with Chuck Smith for him to teach you Owe, that'll just be fantastic when they get back. But uh, uh, finally, Van Noy scores. He missed a, he missed one, of course, lost one to penalty, and this one he finally got credited with for sack minus nine. 
Yeah, and, and nice. Uh, the the nice thing from here from uh, for Clowney, I think, to to show is the is the way he's sort of now just toying with that right tackle, uh, who is now fearful of Clowney doing anything on him, and so the kind of little stutter step uh, to the to the the inside, then the outside, and then to come back through him. Uh, it's just uh, it's a thing of beauty in terms of a pass rush plan if you you kind of uh, know and understand those things. Yeah, it just it, it, it's it, it when you're out athleted like that and you're an offensive tackle, it's a it's a it's got to be a very tough feeling because you almost have to overreact to the first move no matter what. And that's what I've been saying about Owe is you know he's always going to be a greater athlete than the man across from him because left tackles are just not as great athletes as normal pass rushers, and Owe is a tremendously athletic pass rusher, and and his first move is always going to cause an overreaction once he once he learns that. And uh, and can can translate that into get off and, and he doesn't even have to know what he's doing in some sense. Just know what your first move is, know what your second move is, plan it out in advance. Don't have to react to what the left tackle does necessarily, although that would be nice to get some hand play in there and and, and make that happen. But just have and here's A, here's B, and and you're gone. I mean, it's, Eurostep. That's all it is in basketball. Is you're you're making a move and then making a second move and hiding it. And it's just I don't I don't understand why away has been slow to improve in that particular area when he's otherwise such a promising player. Yeah, I think it was the it was the thing uh I think we we might have talked about it a couple of years back when he first came out was the was the the rush plan just wasn't particularly well developed. He just didn't really have a clue and it and it hasn't it just has not continued to develop and as you say there's there is potential that there's so much potential there for a for that kind of fastball and and the and the sort of off speed pitches uh, to to be able to to, to really uh, build a and a really effective plan, um, even as you say, not even having to build specific plans for specific offensive linemen, just for himself, and it just hasn't quite got there yet. So yeah, it's interesting. It really uh, it's it's a shame. Forty six seconds left in the game. We finally get to the Titans' last offensive play. There's only been forty six of them in this game though, and we're taking. Uh, that's no, not including penalties, which there were a couple of in this game, just a couple. Uh, 4-0 ATS play again, so Willis has one more opportunity to, to, to throw the football from a clean pocket. Throws the ball 20 yards in the end zone. Um, Yassin has terrific coverage, though, of Hopkins. Uh, nearly gets the, the, the pass defense. It looked to me as if it cleared Yassin and was tipped by Hopkins in, in this particular case. And then they get the third down. They kick the field goal right away since they're back at the 20-yard line. I don't know if that's the way I would have gone, but uh, that did give him a chance to try the onside kick. Ravens covered, of course, and win the ball. Yeah, it's an interesting decision to do that. I think it was almost like they wanted to uh, wanted to keep a um, yeah wanted to keep a uh, like keep it going for a little bit longer <laughs> the game, uh, which is a strange one. I, you know, I'm not sure that with the amount of time left on the clock, there was a chance that they were going to get down and score a touchdown from there. They're more likely mm-hmm. to be able to get a field goal. So strange decision. Uh, uh, Probably the 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 best decision from a week Willie Willis all, all day, which was to just let's just throw it up for DeAndre Hopkins and see if it goes, see if he comes down with it. But uh, coverage was too good from the Ravens. Yeah. yeah, this has been a lot of fun. I tell you what, going through this, uh, maybe we talk about a couple other things and we shut it down. Do you, do you have time? If you don't, I'll, I will understand entirely. Yeah, let's, let's do a couple. Let's, yeah, yeah, that's fine. We'll be real quick. In terms of packages, the Ravens only played two things, nickel and base. When they were nickel, they only allowed 3.3 yards per play in this game, 7.0 in the base defense. 
They've been remarkable in the nickel defense so far this year, which has been over 80% of the time, 80, 81, actually. And I'm going to give you the statistics here really quickly because when they've been in nickel the entire season, they have allowed 3.9 yards per play. That's total, run and pass. Um, and that that is going to be hard to beat. All right. They they also got five sacks in this game. Talk about the pass rush very briefly with a four man pass rush, a a, a outstanding 48 percent overall pressure rate. The Ravens can keep that up with a, you know, primarily a four man rush. It's going to be terrific. But five four man sacks is unbelievable for one football game. Yeah, it's, it really was, and, and the, the the amount of pressure they got from through that was was great. Obviously, I think they will come up against um, more superior offensive lines, but this wasn't a bottom of the barrel offensive line. Like it's a it's a it's a middling offensive line. So I I think it is um, yeah really nice to really nice to see. Obviously, we talked about the game plan and the fact that the the weapons in Tennessee aren't, aren't great. So you probably do want to go with that kind of strategy, and they may go with different strategies as they as they run through the season. But uh, really encouraging that they were able to do that, get that done. Twenty three out of twenty seven times they used a four man pass rush in this game. When they did have a four man pass rush, let me get to the proper game here because I'm looking at the full season stats. Uh, 4.1 yards per pass play. Um, so 23 plays for 94 yards, five sacks, one turnover. I don't think you're going to do much better than that. They, but they did not allow any yards on two plays. Uh, no net yards anyway on two plays of five or six rushers. And the one time they rushed seven, they gave up a 10 yard play. So they did in fact do a little better, two and a half yards per play on the four times they rushed more than four. Everything is working, I think, is the is the easiest way I could put it in terms of what, what uh, McDonald is dialing up. But the fact that the four-man pre- pass rush has been as impressive as it has been has been terrific. I want to get into a couple of the deceptive elements as well. And you, you hit on some of this early. I think you, you, you hit on some key elements. I just want to give you a chance to comment. Only one, one off-ball blitz the entire day. And I define that as anyone who's at least a yard and a half off the line of scrimmage or at least as far out as the slot corner uh, coming on the blitz. It's very unusual that McDonald would not send linebackers to a greater degree than this, but we talked a little bit on the first show about Tannehill reading hot very well. Yeah, I think that was definitely something that sort of came into it today. And it's it's a been a feature of McDonald's game plans, not this particular uh, sorry, the feature of McDonald's game plans has been his um, ability to game plan specifically for the offensive quarterback that he's facing at that time. You know, obviously we've had some very um Defense coordinators in 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 Baltimore that have been uh, you know very idiosyncratic and, and will stick to their way or the highway. Um, but McDonald really does does sort of change uh, his spots as the as the game goes. Uh, and this was this was another good example of that. Um, they definitely had the. It felt like I mean I know you don't chart this, but it felt like they mugged the a gap a little bit less as well in this game from the, meaning, from, meaning uh, from, from a simulated pressure perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They only had one simulated pressure the whole game, and yeah. and uh, the the I I do count the uh, the number of times they drop two. That's that's what I call a simulated pressure. The number of times they drop one, I have it charted here, but there weren't very many of them, and most yeah. of the times they dropped Queen a couple. Sorry, uh, Roquan Smith from the middle. Several times I'm noting one, two, three, four, four times they dropped Roquan Smith from from the line of scrimmage to, to drop into coverage. Most of the time it's the edge player. It's Harrison or Van Noy who's the single dropper even. So it's not it, – you're, you're absolutely right that, that what they did in terms of simulated pressure is less than 
I think they had zero in one game this year already, but they just were not, they were, they were showing here's what we got to Tannehill and then to Malik Willis later in the game. The only thing they really messed, messed around with was the stunts. They had eight singles and two doubles there, six pressures on those 12 plays. And those six pressures were not small ones, three sacks and three quarterback hits. Yeah, it just felt like the pre- the 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 stunt game was just working so well, and I think it it was a feature. I think of the fact that this offensive line, while its component parts are reasonably solid as a whole as a unit, it, it just did not deal well with it, with that movement um, all day long. Yeah, I, I I mean I think that's true. I think in particularly the Ravens are very impressive at peeling that second blocker and getting the under a good opportunity, but they also got the over some good opportunities in this game too. So just it's a beautiful – you love to see a game of pressure like this. They don't only come along once in a while. You probably remember that Tennessee game in 2018 where they had the 11 sacks. Uh, that was one where Mariota was running for his life the entire day. And, and honestly, he lost any will to even look downfield late in that game, and they were just piling up sack after sack. Yeah. All right. If there's any individual player you'd like to talk about, uh, uh, please do that. I, I think we're going to have to maybe put off the mailbag this time just because it's we, we don't really have time for it. But is there anything else you'd like to talk about? I don't think so, Ken. Yeah, I feel like we hit we hit every player that I wanted to hit. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good. Do, do MVPs, can we do that real quick? Yeah, cool. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Give, give me a 3-2-1 on MVPs. I want to go to my article, make sure I get this right. I should have uh, prepared this in advance because I definitely okay. know what my one is. But do you want to go with three first? I, I will go with yeah. my number three guy, Jadavian Clowney. Uh, a wonderful day of pressure. Uh, had six pressures as I charted. I understand why PFF has more because they're going to say some of those plays where he forced uh, Willis, particularly out of the pocket, uh, were pressured as well. And I, I completely understand that they had him for nine in this game. So wonderful game from him, but he's my number three. Uh, so Gino Stone would be my number three, I think. Um, definitely uh, maybe not the sort of highest volume snap game for him, but uh, really high quality snaps when he did play. And they, they needed him in there to replace Williams late in that game. Boy, last year and this year, I don't I don't know what the Ravens would have done without Gino Stone to, to get there. All right, I'll, I'll move on to my number two guy, who's Kyle Van Noy. Uh, kind of got the short end of the sack stick in this game. Obviously, Matabike and Clowney did more, but Van Noy had a wonderful pressure game, and a lot of it was individual pressure, which he he has a great spin move. He's terrifically dangerous in terms of stunt. What a great pickup. Yeah, 100%. I, I, I mean, it's a really difficult one, isn't it? Because uh, there are a number of, you can make an argument for a number of guys here, and I, I have no qualms with your first two guys. Uh, my number two guy would be uh, just would be uh, Patrick Queen, um, who I thought had a really great game in this game and, and sort of sort of typified the improvements in, in his game over the course of the last year and a bit um, in, in this game. It sort of was a really nice game from him. No, no argument at all there. Three drive ending plays from Patrick Queen. I'm, I'm with you all the way. He's on my honorable mention list, along with uh, a couple other guys we'll mention in a, in a, in a second. Uh, I'll go with uh, my number one guy, Justin Matapike. I'm guessing we have the same guy at this point. We do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I thought even on Queen's sack, I thought he probably deserved a share of that one as well. So he could have had two and a half sacks. Uh, Matapike now second in the entire NFL among interior defensive linemen with four and a half sacks. The only guy with more is Chris Jones, Aaron Donald, a pedestrian two and a half sacks uh, is sitting back there. I don't know if Aaron Donald's played every game or not, but it's always nice when you're two sacks ahead of Aaron Donald. 
<laughs> Absolutely. I think we mentioned early on and, and right throughout the podcast that, that, you know, this was a game for me which showed how well Manabike is starting to put together all of the elements of the game, not just the raw explosive power that he's had um, going back back to college, but also now the technical refinement in his game and the ability to process uh, what he's seeing from the offense uh, is all coming together and he's starting to 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 rise to the, the type of player that we expected him to be uh, when he started showing those flashes early in his rookie year. I agree, and we are we cannot be more fortunate to having this happen now. We can't we can't wish for fourth year players to just have modest years or cry like hell for the Ravens to extend them. It's just not possible with every player. And when fourth year players play well, it's the best thing they can do for you is play their way out of town, give you a great comp pick, and you know hopefully you win from that. And with players like Paul Kruger and McPhee and others, you know it's it's just been part of the circle of life. To, to let those guys go. Matthew Judon comes to mind. It, great organizations that draft very well, as the Ravens consistently have. They haven't given up their draft picks. They are consistently forced into these heartbreaking decisions about fourth-year players and not being able to extend them. And unfortunately, that's probably going to happen with at least two of the big three that we talked about on the show on the defense. Yeah, and it, and it's and it's that develop, play development as well, isn't it, Cam? Because it's the you know it's sticking with it and continuing to to push these guys to get to the point where they are able to fulfil their potential. And as we talked about, you know, I'm I'm really really happy for Patrick Queen, especially because you know. Some, some probably went through some really tough times with the Roquan trade and then the, the contract that went to Roquan and all of the, all of the um, sometimes justified, but also the the sort of criticism that he got um, as a former first round pick as, a, as an inside linebacker. It just uh, really happy that he's, he's sort of taken the, the, what was the hand that was dealt to him and sort of, and has, has said to himself, you know what, I'm going to, I am going to control what I can control and play to the level that I know I can play to and get my life altering second contract. Um, whether that's with the Ravens or with somebody else, I'm going to force the Ravens to make a decision. Uh, and I, I just think that's a real testament to him and his character. Um, yeah. To, to, to have risen to that, that occasion. It is the right choice. And it is the only choice. And whoever he's got advising him, whoever he's talking to, I know Patrick Queen is somebody who's been very reactive to what's happened on on Twitter and whatnot. We saw during the draft that he changed his Twitter profile after the Ravens drafted Kyle Hamilton at 104 a.m. that night. So it's the kind of thing I, I don't follow that, but Kyle Barber mentioned it to me. And and it's the kind of thing that that you know people are watching. So you know the best thing you could probably do is to turn off Twitter. I know you don't want to do it, but, or, or go to some private account where you're talking to your friends or maybe just text your friends during the draft and get upset about it there and text your agent. That's what he's, that's what he's paid for in a way, but Oh my God, don't change your social media. Don't tell everybody how upset you are about the thing. Even if you are, I got two questions. I want to get to quickly. If you're okay with that, James. Yeah. Real quickly. So uh, first question is from Dow 1024, DAU 1024. He says, did you notice the Ravens showing more pre-snap single high looks than usual, either from the start of the game or after Hamilton Williams went out? I think we kind of addressed this one. Definitely a lot of, of more of pre-snap single high with Hamilton being brought down into the box as a linebacker. Yeah, it was absolutely definitely what we saw. And it was definitely a feature of a game plan specifically for the Titans, um, specifically because of that running game. Uh, uh, that was the only way. 
as a defensive coordinator in the NFL, you kind of got to pick your poison. And most weeks you've got some impossible decisions to, to make in terms of which poison you're going to pick this week. It wasn't that impossible a decision. You, you pick the Titans passing game as you're outside of DeAndre Hopkins as your poison and you roll with that. And that's exactly what Mike McDonald did. And that, and that did call for uh, a lot more single high than we've seen in recent weeks from him. Great adjustment. I think it worked out well, obviously, despite the fact they gave up some yards on the ground. I thought it, it worked out pretty well. It was mostly one big run play that burned them. Uh, got two questions that are related to the pass rush. I'll, I'll give them both together. At Nikki622A says, our pass rush looked unstoppable this weekend. It, it is noted that Tennessee has a weak offensive line, an okay offensive line. Should, should we be encouraged by their performance, or is it inflated because of a weaker opponent? Also, which position to target for trade? I'll give you the second question that goes with this very closely related. At J.R. Morgan 16 says, should the Ravens try to sign Frank Clark, or do you think their pass rush has been effective enough that any resources should be used to solidify other parts of the roster? Yeah, so I, I don't. I wouldn't give too big an adjustment against the Titans' offensive line. I think it's a it's an offensive. I think it was uh, the the game plan was very effective to get home. Um, so I would I would say that that sort of took advantage of the, the weaknesses of the Titans' offensive line. As I said before, I don't think the component parts are that bad. Like I, I don't think they have an outstanding offensive lineman, but I also don't think they have. Um, real huge weak links there there are a few sort of iffy areas on that line but i don't i wouldn't give a huge adjustment they are going to face better offensive lines down um as they go through the season but i also think it is an encouraging sign i don't think we need to temper ourselves too much with with that um frank in clark. terms of frank clark i would not go after frank clark at this point <laughs> Um, I, I would certainly spend that resource elsewhere. Um, I, th I think the, the the Ravens have a number of places that I think they could go in terms of spending that resource. And I think edge at the moment for me is towards the bottom of the list mm -hmm. um, of things that they could address um, with the with the resource that they potentially could have. And I, I, I wouldn't be going after Frank Clark at this point. Yeah, so I, I'll, I'll say two places where I think they could improve, and, and they're, they're off the beaten path things. I, I wouldn't go to corner. I wouldn't go to edge. I certainly wouldn't go to a place like inside linebacker, and no way in hell would I go to running back. I think you got to see what Keaton Mitchell has before you, before you go to the Saquon Barkley, let's get the next greatest wide receiver, whatever it is. There are two positions where I think the Ravens actually need help that they should probably try and address. And the first is they, they, they're going to need to find a safety this week. Um, and as much as as unglamorous as that is, the Ravens' defensive success has been formulated basically on how that back end looks. And there are guys they can have, they can have cheap that they can they can address. The other place, a lot more expensive to address, is offensive tackle. I think the Ravens need another guy who can legitimately play left tackle, not right tackle. They've got guys who can fill in there. Maybe it's Cleveland, maybe it's even McCary, but they've got guys who can fill in at right tackle. Um, they need a left tackle, and and that. Um, that may be a decision they make over the next two weeks, watching how Ronnie Stanley plays and deciding if he's, if he's still fit for the NFL at this point, if he's going to be around next year. And I think the Ravens could make a big move in terms of, of possibly even trading a first round pick for a left tackle who would be their left tackle um, of the future. If, if they decide to go that way. Yeah. I, I, I so I, Personally, I would. I think you're right. I think if they have the luxury of waiting a couple of weeks, that would be great to just see a slightly bigger sample size mm -hmm. on this version of Ronnie Stanley, um, just to see. But I, I, I agree that 
I probably would sink some resource into depth on off, on the offensive line potentially. I probably actually would put um, depth on the interior defensive line above that at this point mid season, just because of the the possibly the cost benefit in terms of getting some somebody on that. I mean, it's a lot easier to fill in a safety where I think you're right that you need immediate help. Um, but potentially interior defensive line might be a place to look in terms of depth uh, for the for the stretch run. Yeah, that's a great point. And I agree with that. With The loss of Urban is potentially extremely costly, but Urban wasn't a guy who would take a big snap load anyway. First of all, he's a five tech and you, you, you've got other limitations there, um, even as a, even as a three, five guy that you, you don't want him in there on every play. What I'd be interested to see is if the Ravens would go after a nose tackle again, even though it seems like they have two nose tackles on the team, I really like the idea of, of uh, Washington being used primarily as a five, but, but a three-five split, and, and then having Travis Jones move out to play some of that three, because I think he'd give other defenders a lot of trouble on early downs, get Matabike more rusted, rested, and boy, he's going to need that rest if he's going to pile up the kind of sack total people are hoping for. Yeah, 100% agree. All right. James, just a pleasure to talk football with you. I wish we could go on for two more hours, uh, but I know it's uh, it's getting late in uh, in London right now. Really appreciate you coming on. Tell folks where they can find your work online. No problem, Ken. It's always a blast. Um, so my uh, handle on Twitter is at NFL Ogden, which you can find me. Uh, you hear me regularly every week on the UK Ravens podcast, which releases sort of Thursday, Friday, towards the end of the week. And every year you will get a draft guide from me, which uh, looks at the best prospects from the uh, from college and how they fit with the Ravens. Um, because I think that's sort of missing from a lot of draft guides out there where they don't sort of evaluate for specific teams. And it's pretty hard to evaluate a prospect agnostically without a team in mind. Uh, so I try and do that for for our team, uh, for the Baltimore Ravens, and, and uh, put that out there every year. So watch out for that uh, coming, obviously, April next year. Great stuff. And uh, I'm, I'm going to be right after this trying to get James booked for another show later this season. Uh, I know it's a difficult schedule with his uh, young child, but really appreciate the time you've given to this. And uh, I thought just a terrific show. Other folks out there, if you'd like to be on a film study short, hit me up. DMs are always open on Twitter. You know the deal by now. But I'm really interested always in finding new content, uh, new things to look at, new thought experiments. Uh, give me your idea for a show and we'll uh, we'll talk it over and find uh, how we can make that into an interesting 20 to 30 minutes of content for folks. James, thanks again for joining me. Thanks, Ken. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.